0: of the San Francisco Giants will make his next rehab start on Monday for Triple-A Sacramento. It looks as though he'll get two starts for Triple-A before rejoining the Giants in September. Jake Kaplan of The Athletic is reporting that the Astros are calling up top infield prospect Abraham Toro. An MRI on Marcus Stroman's left hamstring didn't reveal a significant injury. Stroman left early on Wednesday with tightness in that hamstring. Cubs reliever Brandon Morrow suffered a setback during his rehab assignment and will miss the rest of the 2019 season. He's been recovering from an elbow injury. And the Angels placed right-handed pitch- And in the NFL, veteran wide receiver Michael Crabtree has signed a one year deal with the Arizona Cardinals. And the Detroit Lions have signed defensive tackle Damon Harrison to a one year contract extension through 2021. I'm Dan Strafford, and this has been your Fantasy Sports Radio Network News Update.
1: Stay tuned to the Fantasy Sports
0: Radio Network for more updates at the top of every hour. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. And
1: now, please welcome...
0: Inside Studio 34, this is the VFFs here on the Fantasy Sports Network, of course, brought to you by Sports Grid. I am Greg Sussman I'm from a lonesome today. EY in Fort Lauderdale for the CBS Telethon, and, you know, Nick Urquilano's not here. Frankie's not here. Try to get Modica. He's not here. But it's you, it's me for the next hour. I do have a guest coming on uh, at about 2.25 Eastern time. Virginia Zakis of Inside Injuries will be here to stop by. We haven't talked to Virginia in like two or three weeks. So I got a lot of questions like, is Andrew Luck a football player? We're going to ask that. I also have a a personal uh, medical, not medical question, but a uh, medicine question. And uh, we need to ask her that. And I asked the guys downstairs. I was pulling Danny Otto. I was pulling uh, Alex. and They don't really know. So I'm going to ask the good doctors the question, and hopefully I can get an answer. i happy to have you aboard inside our YouTube chat. Wherever you're watching, Pluto, Zumo, uh, SportsGrid.com. or listening to our podcast. Uh, we certainly appreciate all of love. On today's show, preseason week three is here, man. And it's funny how... It's changed over the course of our lives, right? Where, when we started out being football fans as a whole, by the way, it continues to get hotter and hotter in here. I I legitimately don't understand how it's possible. Nevertheless, when we started as football fans, week three of the the preseason was the one week where the starters played. Like, if you were going to pay your well-earned money to go to a preseason game, you were going to do it in week three because that's when you were able to see the most starters. It was the true tune-up, where you were going to see players play really almost three whole quarters. It started out a few, I guess it's not even a few years ago, but the first quarter, first game. Second quarter, you get a half. Third quarter, you get three quarters. and the fourth game, everybody rests. Now it's become first game, everybody rests, maybe first series. Second game, you get about a quarter or so of the starters. Third game, you're lucky if you get a half, man. You, you get first quarter, maybe a little bit more. That's it. You had some coaches come out and say, hey, we're going to have them play an entire half. I think Adam Gaze was saying this. We're going to have the team play the half and then one series after halftime, so they, they get used to the feeling of coming out of halftime, playing, and the motivation and all that good stuff. And ultimately, logic wins out. Frank Reich was saying, hey, we're going to play all our starters. Three quarters. You know what? I changed my mind. And the old argument goes then back to, well, we shouldn't even play the preseason. We shouldn't ask people to go um, and and pay their money when they're not even getting the best product. And it's true. The preseason has become utterly useless. Like, you can talk about how these guys aren't in a true game situation in training camp and in practice, so you want them and you need them to play against other teams. But because it is such a physical game, it's such a fast game, Teams are wary of doing it, and I understand. Especially in the era where the backup quarterback is so important, and in, on teams where the future is a backup quarterback, you don't want to in for the New York Giants. who play tonight at seven p.m. You don't want to put Daniel Jones in a situation with a backup offensive line, because God forbid he gets hurt. I go back to a few years ago with Mark Sanchez and the Jets. Like he was in a quarterback uh, competition. Might have been with Gino. Might have been somebody else. But he was in a quarterback competition, and for some reason, he was in there in the fourth quarter against a, uh, with a brutal offensive line, a third-string offensive line, and he got hurt. He broke his arm, poor shoulder, whatever. He was done for the year. That was it. And because of that, the Jets' season was over. So more and more teams now aren't messing with even their most important backups – for a strong period of time. That's why you're not seeing Saquon Barkley this preseason. You're not seeing Le'Veon Bell this preseason. And I get it. That is your biggest investment. That is your team. It's not worth it. It's simply not. And as a fan, it's simply not worth going to the game. Now, I I talk every year from a fantasy perspective what to watch for in the preseason. And I've been... Admittedly, all over the spectrum with this, saying, I don't, I don't watch any preseason. As a football fan, you're too excited not to. And what I have learned from talking to people that know more about this than I do, it's you look for scheme, even though they're not really scheming, you look for style, you look for tempo. And what I've learned in the preseason, really, this season, is twofold. Like the Cardinals look terrible. Not just Kyler Murray. It's the offensive line, which I already had a preconceived notion of that they were going to be horrible, and they've looked every bit as horrible as I expected. Okay. The Jets. No huddle offense with Sam Darnold. It's quick. It's better. It's efficient. I'm seeing all these lanes and all these opportunities for Ty Montgomery. My stock for Le'Veon Bell, which was not all that high coming into the year, up in the first round. I'm watching the preseason to not even be impressed with players like a Devin Singletary or a Darwin Thompson or anything like that, but more so to just look at how these teams are run and how these teams are managed and get an idea of what is working with these coaches and what is not. And yes, a lot of it's going to be based on player execution, but I think a lot of it also is on schematics. And while you're not game planning, per se, against these other teams, you are going to run your scheme. If you're the New York Giants, you are going to run a lot of schemes. You are going to run a lot of crossing. You'll have one guy deep. That's the offense. And it's tough to figure out who to like in fantasy football when the major players don't play. But you can get the idea. And I think we have, at least with the Giants. Knowing Sterling Shepard's role. Knowing Evan Ingram's role as well. And I've gotten a little bit higher on both of them. There's four preseason games tonight. We're going to break those down what we should be watching for. From a preseason perspective, from a fantasy perspective, from a betting perspective as well. It's BFFs with just one BFF, so it's a BFF, no S. We'll be back after this. Back here with you, Fantasy Sports Network, the BFFs. Again, yeah, it's, it's BFFs. It's just Greg. Happy to have you here aboard on today's show. Sorry, Danny, I'll talk in the mic. I do have an update here, the latest from Ed on Ezekiel Elliott. We'll see what it says. I haven't read it yet. The most recent offer negotiations between Hold that Ezekiel Elliott and the Cowboys came from the team. Elliott's been offered a contract, making him one of the two highest paid running backs in the NFL. That would suggest the team is offering more than Le'Veon Bell, but less than Todd Gurley. If that's what they're offering now, I would admit this is going to be close. Uh, According to Ed Werner about an hour ago, that... So on Get Up this morning on ESPN, a source told Jeff Darrington that the Ezekiel Elliott deal is getting done. They then asked Ed Werner... And signing Elliott is the highest priority. Paying less than Gurley and more than Bell seems like a reasonable compromise. Elliott's a contract for two more years. Latest offer came from the Cowboys. And Folks, as I've said the entire time, this one's getting done. For There's nothing to worry about when it comes to Ezekiel Elliott. There's nothing to worry about at all when it comes to Zeke. He will be there. Jerry Jones will pay. We have enough evidence in the past. I know he made it. Emmett Smith, wait weeks into the season. He is not starting this season without Ezekiel Elliott. With the Cowboys having a chance to win this division, and Ezekiel Elliott being such a major part of the team, I know there's been much discussion about who's more important, Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, Dak Prescott. The fact is, Dak is there, Amari is there. They'll get those extensions done in due time. He needs to get Zeke there, and he will. It's a no-brainer for me. It's a no-brainer in drafts to take him at four. It's a no-brainer in an auction to take him... And get a discount if you can. Ezekiel Elliott will be back with the Dallas Cowboys sooner rather than later. I am very confident in saying that. Throwing that out there. Tonight, the Dallas Cowboys are not in action. But the first game that is happening tonight is the New York Giants taking on the Cincinnati Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati. Bengals are a three-point favorite in this one. So what are we looking for? right? What, what, what are we keeping our eye on for? I'll start with Cincinnati. And the answer is that offensive line. And the answer is that scheme. This is going to be, admittedly, my first chance to take a look at the Bengals in this preseason. I know Andy Dalton's led one touchdown score, but I haven't really sat down and watched them. Tonight I'm going to. I had the game dvr you know, I got I a gotta kickball playoff game. Priorities, people. So the Bengals... With Zach Taylor as the head coach, what is this scheme going to look like? Is it going to be faster? Is it going to be slower? Is he going to force Andy Dalton to push the ball down the field? Is he going to be more short uh, crossing routes? Will he play as fast as McVay? Will it be like the Rams offense? If that's, will the personnel be like the Rams offense? Because one of the reasons people are down on Joe Mixon this year, not down, but he's dropped a bit, is because of the brutal offensive line play that we expect, and Joe Mixon potentially coming down on third downs. Well, in Los Angeles, when Gurley was healthy, they did not ever take Todd Gurley out for Malcolm Brown or whoever, or whomever, excuse me. Remember last year, it was all the rage that other guys were to get opportunities, right? It didn't happen. And I don't think in Cincinnati, even as good as Gio Bernard is, it's going to happen. I'm not saying that Joe Mixon's Todd Gurley. He's not. But I think if they're playing as fast as we expect them to or as fast as the Rams are, I'm pretty positive that Mixon's going to stay on the field. So the question becomes on the offensive line. Will that offensive line hold up? What is Zach Taylor going to do? to force his offensive line to hold up. We all know it's a weakness coming into the season. We know that. Zach Taylor knows that too. So that means Andy Dalton's going to get the ball out quick. Who does that benefit? The slot wide receiver. The slot wide receiver, we believe, is going to be Tyler Boyd. But with A.J. Green hurt, somebody else is going to have to step up. Because if Tyler Boyd then goes to the outside, they're going to attract the number one cornerback. So who steps up? We know John Ross is hurt. Who else is Andy Dalton going to throw the ball to? I have the answer, but you're not going to like it. The answer is Tyler Eifert, people. And I know nobody wants to draft Tyler Eifert for the same reason that nobody wants to draft Greg Olson. And it's major injury issues, and it's very frustrating. But unlike years past, Tyler Eifert and Greg Olson don't cost anything. They're not being drafted, specifically Eifert. But, knock on everything... Effort's healthy right now. He played in the last preseason game. And it will cost you literally nothing to draft him. With A.J. Green being hurt and Tyler Boyd being covered and guarded by the number one cornerback on the other team and effectively at times taken out, Andy Dalton's going to have to throw to somebody else. Some of that will be Giovanni Bernard. A lot of it, I believe, is going to be Tyler Eifert. We have seen Zach Taylor, I believe, in New England, I want to say. If not New England, hold on one second. All right, we've seen Zach Taylor before it was with Miami. Excuse me. In Miami, we've seen him. He has a bit of experience there. I truly believe Tyler Eifert is once again going to be a valuable part of this offense. And why do you watch this giants Bengals preseason game tonight? Because you can see him. Not a single fantasy analyst, and I get why, is talking about this guy. And rightfully so. But when A.J. Green got hurt last year, and Tyler Boyd was owned and he was going off, what did the fantasy experts tell you to do? They told you to pick up Tyler Eifert. He missed all of last year with a brutal ankle injury. I remember it. It was... It was terrible. But before that, just saying, Tyler Eifert had a touchdown in that game against Atlanta. The week before in Carolina, he had eight for 74. He was finally healthy. And that's the point, I believe it was that Carolina game where A.J. Green got hurt. Tyler Eifert's going to have a role in this offense as long as he can stay healthy. He's not going to do anything crazy in the preseason. You're not looking for him to. You're literally just looking for him to stay healthy. Right now, he's healthy. The back is healthy. The ankle is healthy. Against Seattle, opening day, he's going to ball and he's going to be healthy and quote, potentially back to his old self. John Ross is hurt. AJ Green is hurt. Tyler Boys, one guy. Don't sleep right now on Tyler Eifert. On the Giants side of things, what are we looking at tonight? You're looking at Daniel Jones, obviously, because it's exciting, it's fun. He's young, cool. Maybe you're looking to find the handcuff for Saquon Barkley. That's something the Giants don't necessarily know yet because they've tried out Rod Smith, Paul Perkins, and Wayne Gallman. I don't know that we have the answer. I don't know that it matters because you're probably not drafting him. There's other running backs to draft rather than the handcuff to Saquon Barkley. You're not going to see Evan Ingram. You're obviously not seeing Saquon Barkley either. When it comes to wide receivers, I doubt we see Sterling Shepard tonight. Golden Tate's concussed, and he's suspended. Do you want the second wide receiver on the New York Giants? Probably not. So what am I looking at for the New York Giants tonight? Really, not all that much. <laughs> Truly, not all that much. We know their defense, from what we have seen, has been pretty soft. We know that their defense has allowed opposing offenses to go up and down the field. So when the Cincinnati Bengals offense does that, Let's see what Tyler Eifert does. Right after the Giants game begins at 7 p.m., you got another one beginning at 7.30, and that is state, also featuring an NFC East team. It's the Philadelphia Eagles and the Baltimore Ravens. So same question. What are we looking for from these teams? And when it comes to the Ravens, for those that are considering drafting Lamar Jackson, it's are you being smart enough to slide? The answer thus far has been no. How has this offense changed for Lamar Jackson with Greg Roman as the offensive coordinator? Is he running less? Is he running more? Is he more accurate as a passer? We haven't seen any of the Baltimore wide receivers, and we're not going to. Doesn't matter. You're not drafting them. How are they utilizing the running game? Last week, when I watched the Ravens, I saw Justice Hill spark. He showed up, got on my radar. The holes that were open for him were open for Mark Ingram, too. Will those holes remain? That's what we're looking for tonight from Baltimore. From the Eagles, Miles Sanders is interesting, man. We'll talk about him and what to read from the Eagles a little bit later on. Coming up next, Virginia Zakis of Inside Injuries joins us here on the BFF. Week three of the NFL preseason starts tonight. Season-long fantasy football drafts are in full swing. Head on over to RotoExperts.com. And check out the NFL 365 fantasy football package, which includes the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the internet. Davis Matic and the Roto Experts have you covered with dynasty season-long and best ball formats, which gives you an edge regardless of what type of season... Season-long fantasy football that you play. Save 10% at com with the promo code FNTSY. That's 10% off with the promo code FNTSY. It's the NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, and it's available only at RotoExperts.com. For the first time in way too long, let's welcome in Virginia Zakis to the program. Virginia, from Inside Injuries, how are you?
1: Doing well. It's good to be back.
0: Great to have you back. There's way too much going on for us not to talk uh, for the last three weeks, so let's get right into it. And... Uh, one of our guys, Eric Young, each and every day comes on here and says, quote, Andrew Luck is not a football player because he has not practiced in what seems like a year. What was a calf injury? And I know we talked about this weeks ago now. What was a calf injury turned into an ankle injury, turned into like a bone in his ankle, turned into a pain management issue, Turns into swelling, turned into a lot of things. But all of it kind of adds up to him still not practicing. And as of this Monday, we're going to be two weeks away from the start of the season. What's up with Andrew Locke?
1: Yeah, so Dr. Annette, Dr. A and I actually talked for a while yesterday about this, kind of trying to dissect every single report we've seen, every little bit of information we can find. Um, it seems like right now we believe it's the ankle that's more of a concern than the calf. i still concerned about the calf heading into the season just because it's such a highly recurrent injury. But at the moment, the ankle is a bigger concern. Um, Some reports have said that this, um, you kind of referenced this, the bone, there's a bone that's sticking out from the back of his ankle. It's called Ostrogonum syndrome. Um, it, It can be there for years and doesn't cause any problems. But if the tendon that runs in the back of the leg starts rubbing against this extra little piece of bone, it can cause a lot of pain and inflammation. And some reports have said that this isn't what has flared up. But based on everything we've read, we think this is you know, the best explanation of Luck's ankle pain because it doesn't sound like a sprain. Um, you know, It doesn't sound like it's really his calf that's the biggest concern right now. Um, everything we're reading is sort of in line with this. So if that's the case, it's something that just needs time to calm down. Um, we've seen him doing some warm-ups and lateral movements, which is good. But until he really starts pushing off of that ankle, um, sprinting, you know, we see him scrambling in the pocket. He's he's definitely just not ready to step on the football field yet. And the fact that we're two weeks away from week one, he's not going to be anywhere near 100% because we haven't seen him do any of these things yet in practice. So I'm very concerned about him, especially at the start of the season. Um, this is one of those things that doesn't necessarily need surgery, but that can often be the best way to um, fix the problem. But of course, it's a long recovery. Um, you can also get an injection, which he may have already had. Um, but it's just—it's going to take a little more time for this inflammation to calm down, and it's something he could be dealing with for a while.
0: To me, when I heard that this, there's this bone protruding, we're talking about Virginia's Achilles of inside injuries here. You mentioned surgery, and I'm thinking that could he just have surgery, shave the bone off a little bit, relieve the tension? Like, how long is a recovery on something like that?
1: Yeah, it'd probably be. <sighs> You know, you could return in probably as soon as four to six weeks, but it would probably take longer, especially for a guy like Luck, who we've seen in the past, can be pretty slow to heal. Yeah. Um, and because he's also had all of these other injuries, especially to his calf, you know, you really need to make sure you take it slow because even if the injured body part, the part that has surgery is healed, it just takes the rest of the body time too after a player undergoes a procedure to really catch up. So if he underwent this surgery, I best guess is he would maybe miss the first half of the season and come back. Um, pretty healthy for the second half.
0: If you were drafting a fantasy football team right now, would you take Andrew Luck? I would not. Would you take any Indianapolis Colts based on, because a lot of their value is obviously tied to Luck. Would you take any Colts?
1: Uh, only at the right price. I probably wouldn't okay. take most of them where they're falling right now.
0: Okay, there you go. That's the deal with the Indianapolis Colts. I'm, I'm with you, Virginia. Uh, we've kind of all come around this on this show that you, touching the Colts is a recipe for disaster at this moment, and you're banging on an Andrew Luck who's not anywhere near healthy. Virginia said it herself. He's not anywhere near healthy, folks. It's not that the light bulb is just going to turn on he's going to be Andrew Luck again. Even if he starts practicing, even if he plays, he's not the same guy that he was last year when he was 100% healthy. Something's going on here, and don't just gloss over it. We're talking about Virginia Zakis here of Inside Injuries, and Andrew Luck's been one major story of training camp. The other, of course, has been Antonio Brown and the helmet fiasco. Now, I'm not going to ask you about the helmets because you don't wear a helmet, but I am going to ask you about his feet, which we've seen on hard knocks. We've seen on Instagram. It seems like that's less of an issue now than the helmet thing that's going on. Um, But what can you tell us about Antonio Brown's feet as of now?
1: Yeah, I'm not too concerned about his feet anymore. We've seen him out on the field, running routes, cutting, sprinting, um, wearing, you know, normal game cleats. So, You know, I I think it's something he probably still is going to need to receive a little bit of treatment on it over the next few weeks just to make sure that he doesn't make it worse and that it continues to heal um, while he's going through these football drills. But I'm not too concerned about his feet. Um, It sounded like he even traveled with the team to Canada for their week three preseason game. So we might see him soon. Um, I'm hoping we see him warm up and maybe even see a few minutes in the game. But um, I think he'll be fine by week one.
0: Speaking of feet speaking of Raiders wide receivers, let's let's get to an ex wide receiver, an ex Raiders wide receiver, and that's Amari Cooper, who came out and said his plantar fasciitis is um it's bothering him uh, again. It's something that he's dealt with before. He dealt with it in college. He dealt with it at the Raiders, and we did not he didn't expect to miss any time with it. But I know from all the a lot of the other uh, injuries that we have seen at that spot, they can flare up and then go away and flare up again. It's kind of a recurring thing. Would you be concerned about Amari Cooper?
1: Yeah, I am concerned about him. Um, I think he's trying to sound optimistic about this injury, but unfortunately he still said as of earlier this week, that the pain is a three out of 10. And that's concerning to me because it's been nearly three weeks since he originally got hurt. If there's still that much pain, um, three weeks later, that tells me this is a, you know, moderate to severe case of plantar fasciitis. And he's also dealt with this multiple times before. It's something that's highly recurrent. Um, he's not going to be a hundred percent by week one. Um, If he returns a few weeks into the regular season, I think he actually could play pretty well, but I would not be surprised if it flares up again later in the season. Um, And it's also one of those injuries where it's very, very important to give him the time to rest now, make sure he doesn't return um, while there's still pain because he's only going to make it worse. Um, Plantar fasciitis would then take, you know, could take over a month to heal the next time. And on top of that, he's at a very high risk of suffering another injury because he's trying to overcompensate.
0: Amari Cooper overcompensating potentially for that foot injury. Buyer beware once again when it comes to Amari Cooper. We're talking to Virginia Zakis here of Inside Injuries. And Virginia, another lower leg injury. Maybe it's the foot, maybe it's the ankle. But Kenyon Drake uh, hurt himself in practice. A walking boot uh, is what he has going on still right now. Uh, do we know what's up with him and any timetable for his return to Miami?
1: So they haven't really given an exact timetable. They've just kind of said they expect him to be out a while. Um, they expect him to miss the rest of the preseason, and he may not be ready by week one. Um, our algorithm is saying that this is a grade two, which is a moderate foot injury, and this comes with a four- to five-week optimal recovery time. Um, that means his healthy return date isn't until late September. So if he wants to be healthy the rest of the season, he really shouldn't play weeks one and two. Um, hope to see him back on the back out on the practice field around then, but he's going to need at least a few weeks of practice to very, very slowly work his way back and make sure that his foot is fully healed.
0: Make sure that he gets healthy. He's practicing for a few weeks before his foot is fully healed. You want, when you're drafting, you want prime Kenyon Drake. You want the guy that has game-breaking speed, game-breaking ability, and, has, and can play every down. That's why you like Kenyon Drake, and where he's going now, he's significantly dropped. I think it's worth it. It's worth the sh- uh, the shot you're taking because it's no longer costing you a high draft pick. We're talking about Virginia Zakis here from Inside Injuries in Virginia. The biggest news from over the weekend was that Josh Gordon is back with the New England Patriots. He's been reinstated, but he's on the NFL uh, non-football injury list. I don't know if he's just not in shape. What the deal is? What do you know about Josh Gordon? Yes,
1: we haven't been able to find anything that's currently going on with him. Um, but I do think it's important to note that last year he dealt with the hamstring injury that started in the preseason and lasted through um, week 10. So that's around three months of dealing on and off with the hamstring injury. That's pretty concerning, especially for a speed guy like Josh Gordon. Um, don't know if something like that is going on now. We, there've been no reports of a current injury, um, but it's something to watch. We do have him at an elevated injury risk right now, and his health performance factor is above average. So Whenever he's cleared to get back on the field, I actually think he should play pretty well, according to our algorithm, but there's still a little bit of risk here.
0: We're with Virginia Zakis for a few more moments here in Virginia. We talk about injuries all the time, specifically the players that are kind of always injured, and that includes Keenan Allen, who very quietly is hurt for the Chargers. He says he'll be fine for week one. Will he?
1: Um, it's looking a little bit iffy. The team doesn't consider this to be too serious. Um, he was even seen, uh, catching some passes earlier this week, even though they said he probably wasn't going to practice for the rest of the preseason. Um, but you know, he's, I was actually pretty surprised that over the last two years, he hasn't missed a game. But before that, of course, he tore his ACL. And then in 2015, he suffered a lacerated kidney. Um, he also played through a hip injury and a minor knee injury last year. And then in 2017, he played through a back injury. So he's someone who's just kind of, always banged up and he seems to be somewhat inconsistent based on his injuries. So I don't think this is something that's going to keep him out. Um, You know, he could be ready week one, week two, but I am concerned with him for the rest of the season. He's a high injury risk and his health performance factor is below average currently, which tells me that this ankle sprain is going to slow him down if he plays in the next few weeks.
0: All right, Virginia. I want to, I want to end with a personal question that I have for you. I was hoping you'd be able to help me with. So I've had a cold this week. And I was trying to figure out like what medicine to buy. I'm the Alka Seltzer guy. I, I think the Alka Seltzer cold stuff's pretty good, right? So they have the Alka Seltzer like cold and sinus, and the maximum strength cold and sinus. Why would I not always buy maximum strength cold and sinus? Like, why would I ever just settle for the the normal one? Is there a reason here?
1: <laughs> That's a really good question. I don't think I have a good answer for you, but I say it go is. go for the max strength.
0: Right? like, Why would anyone not buy maximum strength, like severe cold and sinus? Even if it's not severe, it's going to help you quicker. I, Virginia, I thought you'd be the one to you know, answer this question for me.
1: I'll check in with Dr. A for you. All right, get back to me next week. <laughs> Perfect.
0: There you go. Virginia Zakis, Inside Injuries, follow them. All the information is absolutely fantastic. And we'll talk to them each and every week, hopefully uh, throughout football season. Coming up next, we continue on with the preseason games. We're we'll getting some baseball as well. Tell you a quick story, too. We wrap up the BFFs coming up in a little bit. Back with you here on the BFs. It's Greg Sussman by myself today. I want to thank Virginia Zakis uh, for joining the program. It was awesome seeing, uh, seeing her, talking some news with her. The big story there, Andrew Luck, avoiding the Colts, uh, avoiding all Colts. I-, I think, Danny, if we haven't yet, if we can cut that and post that somewhere, uh, that would be awesome because you got to know that, man. This Andrew Luck thing, is he- really... Really not good stuff. I see my boy EY Fantasy Football today. telethon with CBS, which is fantastic. Uh, He's out there now repping the BFFs, which is awesome. Um, Really good stuff with St. Jude's. After you listen to our show, uh, make sure you check that out. I was going through the preseason games here, and I was on to the Eagles and the Ravens for tonight. Now, I gave you with the Ravens what we're looking at. And it's, it's easy. Like you don't need a, a rocket scientist to tell you you're looking for Lamar Jackson. And you're looking for his evolution. Because John Harbaugh wants him to get reps. That's why the Ravens in Philadelphia tonight are five-point favorites. They're going to play their starters. They need Lamar Jackson to get reps. They need, to, they need for him to improve his passing ability. And they need to see what they have with his offensive line. They need to gel more so than anything else. Do you like the Ravens tonight? With Philadelphia, they're without two backups. And now I don't know if Josh McCallum's going to play tonight or what the deal is with that. You're not going to see Carson Wentz. It's not going to happen. Supposedly, Jason Peters was told he's going to play a half tonight. We'll see. But it's hard to figure out this offense. And it's annoying because in fantasy football, we need to, right? Like, we don't necessarily have the answers to this one. We don't necessarily know the answers. I read earlier today that Nelson Aguilar is going to have a bigger role in this offense than anyone realizes. That makes sense. Slot guy. Slot guys always do. But There's so many weapons in Philadelphia. From Alshon Jeffrey to Deshaun Jackson to Nelson Aguilar to spending an early draft pick on J.J. Orsega-Whiteside. And then with the running game, if Miles Sanders goes off tonight in front of the first string offensive line, are we taking something from that? Or are we taking, or is the story of the hell, Jordan Howard didn't get his normal amount of reps? Oh, Josh Adams didn't get his normal amount of reps. The Eagles aren't going to show their hand. They're one of the favorites, I would say, I'll I'll go this far. They're one of the favorites to win it all. So Doug Peterson's not, he's not showing anything. I look at the Eagles much like the Giants tonight, where I throw it all out the window. The Ravens, a lot to watch, certainly from a fantasy perspective. The Eagles, probably not. Let's move on to New England, where you got the Carolina Panthers in New England to take on the Patriots. And for Carolina, more so than the Patriots, I would say, A lot on the line tonight. Not on the line. A lot going on. Cam Newton is expected to play for the first time this training camp in the preseason. Remember, he had surgery and he feels better than ever. What I'm looking for, Cam Newton? Health. If he looks like Cam Newton, I'm sold, man. I'm ready to go with Cam. Right away. I want to know, because we've heard so much About Curtis Samuel, we've heard so much about DJ Moore not all that much about Greg Olson not that I'm going to be the old tight end whisperer today we've heard so much about both of these guys who is Cam locking on to yes there's no game plan yes they're not really scheming against the Patriots but I want to see if Cam Newton has a feel for anybody with Denver Broncos on Monday Night Football earlier this week you felt a feel. Felt a feel. You felt a connection between Joe Flacco and Emmanuel Sanders. You felt a bit of a connection between Joe Flacco and Courtland Sutton. You realize that Bay Sean Hamilton is nothing right now. I want to see with Cam Newton if there is a bit of a connection with either DJ Moore or with Curtis Samuel. They're the starting wide receivers tonight. Both are expected to play. And I don't know how they're going to play. And yes, we'll get a lot of Kyle Allen. We'll get some Will Greer. I know all of that. For the time that Cam Newton is in the game, I need to know where he's looking and what he's thinking. That includes Greg Olson. It includes DJ Moore. And it obviously includes Curtis Samuel as well. For the New England Patriots, we don't expect to see much, uh, if at all, of Tom Brady. Jarrett Stidham will get an opportunity. He could, He's the next quarterback of the future for the New England Patriots. We'll see if he does uh, winds up doing anything tonight. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. You know Belichick's not showing anything. I just want to see if uh, Sonny Michel can get out healthy. You saw a lot of Damian Harris last week, and he looked good, and people jumped on board. With the first team. I still believe we know what we're getting with Sonny Michelle and James White. I'm still high on Sonny Michelle and James White. Nothing's changing that uh, in this one for New England. I think it's another one of those teams. Let's just get out healthy. One last game to get to on tonight's schedule. It's the Atlanta Falcons and the Washington Redskins. So three NFC East teams in action. The only one that's not is the Dallas Cowboys. Um, reason for that? Don't really know. Cowboys and Texans. Battle of Texas takes place. Uh, on Saturday primetime. I'm not sure if that was on NFL Network or not. But they got the Washington Redskins tonight are in Atlanta to take on the Falcons. Falcons are a slight dog here. And these are two teams. This, folks, let me see the spread's the closest. Yeah, it's the smallest spread, and, and for good reason, because these are the two teams that, for the most part, they're going all out tonight. The Atlanta Falcons have looked awful, I believe, with their starting offense. In this preseason. We saw a lot of Matt Ryan in week two against the Jets. Now, his starting wide receivers didn't play. We didn't see Calvin Ridley. You're not seeing Julio Jones. We haven't seen Mohammed Sanu either. So you saw a lot of drops. But more importantly with Atlanta, you saw the offensive line be a turnstile. Where Matt Ryan against the Jets' first team defense had zero time to operate. Will that be different and better tonight? Will that offensive line open up holes tonight? We've talked a lot on this program about Dirk Cutter being back, how it's great news for Matt Ryan. It's great news for Julio Jones. I want to see some of that. You're not going to see it with Julio, but I need to see Matt Ryan have an opportunity, have time to throw the football. That's what we're looking at here. I don't know if Devontae Freeman is going to play tonight. I'm going to look that up. I don't expect him to. But as I have the Falcons, actually Falcons.com open here, we're going to hear a lot about the backups to Devontae Freeman. Ido Smith, Brian Hill, Ken John Barner. Devontae Freeman Freeman, not expected to play in this one. But they're also looking for, and this is an interesting one, and I know we're not supposed to talk about it, but Georgia Tavecchio is an interesting name. We don't really care about kickers, whatever. But Tivecchio, we talk all the time about Matt Ryan's first billion games in domes, right? It's good for the kicker, too. And the kicker for this Falcons team is Giorgio Tivecchio after they moved on from Matt Ryan because he was awesome last year filling in. He went 5-for-5 and 8-for-8 when you count um, extra points in field goals last season. This preseason, he has missed three field goals attempts every single one from 50-plus yards. That could be a kicker you want to take in your later rounds. Again, I don't want to focus on kickers too much, but something at least to watch tonight. On the other side for Washington, there seems to be, at least for a little bit, a glimmer that there is still a quarterback competition going on. It looks like Cades Keenum will be the opening day starter. But if Dwayne Haskins plays well enough, he's got a shot. We know from his time in Minnesota that Cades Keenum is going to target the slot wide receiver. Will we see Trey Quinn tonight? How does this offense going to look? We saw Dwayne Haskins throw a dime last week under massive pressure right into the bread basket on a long pass. What does that Redskins offense look like tonight? We also made tonight, the rumor has it, that we're going to see the NFL debut of Darius Geis. He missed all of last year with a torn ACL. He had major complications coming back with a hamstring injury. But Kyle Shanahan has been on record that he wants to see a little bit of Geis. He needs Geis to get tackled. He needs him to be a football player again. I have not taken a shot on Darius Geis at all this preseason because I think this team is still going to rely on Adrian Peterson. I think this team is still going to rely on uh, Chris Thompson. So I expect those guys to contribute. What will Darius Geist look like? We have seen David Montgomery. We have seen Miles Sanders. We have not seen Darius Geist, who for all intents and purposes is a rookie. I want to know what he's going to look like. People thought he was the best running back coming out of college last year. People thought he could be special. We need to see him be special. Forget that. Let me cross that out. We need to see him play. And if Darius Geist is going to play tonight, That's what I'm watching for. Like I said, no surprise that that is the uh, lowest spread uh, total tonight. A lot more games tomorrow and Saturday and throughout the weekend. Uh, On tomorrow's show, uh, I will break all of those down for you and what to watch for. Before we get to our final break, and I'll give you all the best bets um, in our last segment like normal, those last three minutes, I'll give you the best bets. Before we do, I'll tell you a little story. So a lot of you noticed on Twitter, you're just watching the Met game. And you're like, oh my God, I think that's suspect. It was. My man, hometown Heller, hooked up the seats through a connection that he has, and we sat second row behind home plate on TV all night. And the gift that Mike Florio sent out, as he tweeted, and I wish you could do it. Sit behind home plate. A dude foul, fouls the ball straight back. It looks like it's coming from your head. So you see in the clip, me go like this for those listening to the podcast, backing off, putting out my hand over my head. It is scary AF, man. A ball looks like it's coming out of your head. You're damn right I ducked. That was really scary. What was awesome, though, as a Yankee fan, and I say it all the time, I don't hate the Mets. I don't, I don't care about the Mets. They don't mean anything to me. But being in City Field against an AL team that could ultimately affect the Yankees, I rooted for the Mets hardcore. And you saw it. In a great game that went to extra innings. Follow on that fan. You saw me going nuts. Mouth open when J.D. Davis hit the liner down left field. It was awesome. It was an awesome game. It was an awesome atmosphere. I was very, very thankful to be invited. It was a blast. And it was a cool checking you guys out. Uh, following us uh, alongside on Twitter. Seeing um, seeing your reactions was very, very cool. I tried not to tell too many people. But when you guys saw it, like... Uh, and that was awesome. It was, it was really very, very funny uh, being there, watching the Mets live. Although I own Marcus Stroman in fantasy and see him come out after four innings and I'm sitting next to my buddies and I'm like, Marcus Stroman's out of the game. Jarvis Familia is in this game in the fifth inning. That's bad. Something is wrong. He's only thrown 62 pitches. Ah, oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Enjoy the food. Enjoy the drink. And while I did. I was also very concerned about my man Marcus Stroman going four innings in just 62 pitches. Hamstring injury is deemed not serious for now. We'll see how serious it is or it isn't in the coming days for this New York Mets team. When we come back, we'll give you the best bets forever. Last time we did this, I gave you back three bets. All three were right. I believe I've got nothing wrong. Four and zero this week. Let it continue tonight. Let it continue with the best bet forever. We'll tell you what it is, and we'll wrap up today's program right after this. Final three minutes program here. Greg Sussman wrapping things up tomorrow. I believe Eric Young will be back. It'll be the last show without Frank. We are going uh, permanently to one hour. Wager talk will follow us. Uh, It's gonna be a good show. Excited, uh, excited for that. For those that like wagering, you'll you'll see that um, coming soon. So check that out when you can. Uh, It'll be 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, starting very, very shortly. The BFFs uh, with Frank and myself will continue, of course, uh, at 2 p.m. Eastern following the fantasy football frenzy. Um, with Chris Ventra, Jim Day, and George the Animal Kurtz. All right, baseball tonight, best bets forever. I only have a couple of minutes to do it. Great win by the Detroit Tigers last night. Uh, the biggest favorites in the last decade or so uh, of baseball. They beat them. So that was really, really cool. I really like Noah Syndergaard and the Mets tonight. They're minus 132. Something's going on with this team. Um, not a huge spread, of course. Not a, a huge number. I like to give you the underdogs. But 132, I really, really like the Mets. The Astros are, once again, at minus 550. While the Tigers are plus 430, which is just ridiculous. Can the A's sweep the Yankees? It's now a pick-em game out there in Oakland. Yeah, so kind of looking at it here. We'll make the best bet forever today. We'll make it Noah Syndergaard and the Mets, minus 132. I know it's not great odds there. Total of the game is eight and a half like that. See, we'll look at some of these under other odds, see if anything comes to mind. You know what? I'll make two best bets tonight. Here we go. New York Mets at minus 132, and we'll take the Rays and Orioles. We're doing it. Rays and Orioles under 10. Ryan Yardbrow has pitched well. Uh, Adrian Wachowski has pitched relatively well as well. 10 seems like a high total for this game. Give me the under 10 in the AL right there. And I will take Noah Syndergaard and the Mets right there. Two best bets for the day. And there you have it. That's going to do it for us. Hope I previewed uh, tonight's preseason games for you. Well, tomorrow, a whole lot more preseason games, some baseball, and just confirmed. Matt Modica will join the program as they find out who his guys are this year. I haven't talked to Matty Mo uh, in a while. So Matt Modica will join the program for tomorrow. Have a great afternoon, everybody. Sean Guastamachia at the window coming your way, 4 p.m. Eastern, here on the Fantasy Sports Network. My name is Greg Sussman. Thank you for being part of the show. We'll do it all again tomorrow. Yo.